talk about uncaging the church. It's um told you last week, once you see a lion out in the natural killing a buffalo and eating it, you don't really have an appetite to go see lions in zoos anymore. This is not the same. And I believe God's called the church to be something that's rapidly advancing the gospel and ministering to people and extending his grace and mercy into their lives. And, and we sometimes we have a zoo version of that, the safe version, where we're in the little cage and nobody gets hurt. Nobody, nobody gets their feathers, feathers ruffled. But the reality is the gospel going forward is an exciting adventure in America and all over the world. And so um, I want to let the animal out of the cage as far as the church is concerned. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We talked about that last week. Today we're going to talk about fear. I don't know about you, but I hate fear. I just hate it. It's not that I'm never afraid. I just hate it when I am. Anybody else like that? It's like, man, I wish I didn't feel this way. I hate it. And... Um, I hate the way it makes your stomach feel. I hate the headache it gives you. I hate the anxiety. I just hate every part of fear. And aren't you glad that through God's strength and mercy, we can overcome that? Amen. We're going to talk about that this morning. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, he wrote two letters. When he wrote his second letter to Timothy, he was imprisoned in Rome, but it wasn't like the first time he's in prison where he's in house arrest. He was in a dungeon this time. Towards the end of his life, Nero was running Rome and it was hammer time for the Christians. They were finding every excuse they could to persecute them. And Paul is finding himself mixed into that persecution and very soon Paul will die uh, at the hands of that same persecution. So he's writing this letter to Timothy towards the end of his life and He's encouraging Timothy. Timothy's not really a rookie now. He's young, but he's not inexperienced. He had been on Paul with two mission trips, journeys really, not just trips to one place, but journeys throughout that region. He had been with Paul twice on those trips, and then he'd been pastoring the church in Ephesus for four years when he receives this letter. So he's been with, in relationship and with Paul for over 10 years now. How many know even after you've done something a while, you can still have some fear? So Paul's writing him this letter to encourage Timothy one more time. And he, he tells him in the first, in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he tells him, starting at verse 5, why don't you stand up, we'll read it together. I feel like you're already getting ready to fall asleep, got to stand up. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, verse 5, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. Aren't you thankful for mothers and grandmothers that prayed, even when you were a hellion, out skipping school, getting locked up, being in all kinds of trouble, and your family was praying? Let me tell you something. If your family was praying, you have a responsibility now. As you receive the gift of those prayers, God's faithfulness in your life because of the prayers of other people, now you have a responsibility. You just don't take them and run off with them. 
You have a responsibility now. People have prayed you to the place you are. Now what? So Paul's telling Timothy, man, the gift that came through your grandmother and your mother, I'm persuaded now you have also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. The Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid. In other translations, it says God did not give you the spirit of fear. But it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Some places it says sound mind. It gives you the ability to think right. Turn to your neighbor and said, God gives us the ability to think right. You should try it. Go ahead and tell him. Especially if you're in a relationship with him, go ahead and tell him. He says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Help to uncage us from fear today to fulfill all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? I used to be afraid of snakes way back in the day. I'm not afraid of snakes anymore. Um, I, I, I stopped being afraid of snakes when I worked at a job that caused me to have to pick snakes up. It wasn't at the church. So just go ahead and forget about that. Like, I thought this was a Pentecostal church. Whatever. Way before this place. Um, I... Um, I've been afraid of some things in my life. And uh, I'm finding out that there's circumstances that I can still be afraid in. We're going to talk about that this morning. Paul is writing to Timothy telling him, I know the gift that you have given by God. It was imparted to Timothy probably through Paul. The laying on of hands. It's probably an extraordinary gift. And I want you to know this morning that you, God has placed a gift in you. God has placed a gift in every single one of us. He's imparted his Holy Spirit to us and he's placed a gift in us to cause us, to enable us to live the life that he's called us to live. And your gift is in exact alignment with your calling. And so what happens is, oftentimes that I've found in ministry though, after almost 17 years now, is that oftentimes people will look for the gift outside of their circumstances. Uh, I've, I've heard people at, as young as teenagers all the way up into their 60s going, I'm just really not sure what God's called me to do. And my advice to each one of them every time without fail and will continue to be, do what's ever in front of you. Do whatever is in front of you. If you have the opportunity to do it, do it. Well, I'm not sure if that's the right thing. How will you know unless you do it? You see me do a lot of stuff dumb. Because why are you doing that? Because I don't know if I was supposed to do it or not, really. So I figured, well, let's give it a try. We'll figure it out on the way, right? So my issue is, is that you figure out the calling of God, the gifts that God has given you by doing what's in front of you, praying, God, if, you, if, if I wake up every morning and pray, and we, we do this a lot at my house, God, direct our steps today. God, 
direct the, you said you direct the steps of righteous people. So I may or may not be adding myself into that category, but I am asking you to direct my steps. And so if I'm, if I believe God's faithful to direct my steps, then I believe that He's faithful to present opportunities that utilize the gift that He put in me. After all, I'm asking him to chart the path of my life. And so if I'm going to walk the path of my life according to what he lays out in front of me, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it, wouldn't it seem logical that he would lay out things in front of me that utilize the gift that he put in me? And so figure out what is ever, what, whatever's in front of you and do that. Don't make it so complicated. Like, like an angel has to land in your bedroom and say, listen, this is how it's going to work the next 10 years. If you're waiting on that, you're going to wait too long. When, when Jesus called some of the disciples, he calls Peter and he says, hey, listen, come follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. He said, you fish for fish right now, but if you follow me long enough, I'll turn you into something that will actually use all the gifts you have. Come on. We should realize that just because we're doing something we're successful at doesn't mean we're using all the gifts we have. Because Jesus called Peter away from one of the most successful fishing days he had ever had in his life. And he called him away from it and he said, listen, don't, don't, don't mistake in material success with what I've called you to do. Don't, don't necessarily correlate the two just because it seems nice. Come follow me. And as you follow me, as you're walking along the way following me, you're going to figure out what I've called you to do. And sooner, and, and, and sooner than later, Peter is standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, yes, the Spirit has revealed this to you. And now it, then he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Do you see how it worked out in Peter's life? As he was going along with Jesus. So your prerequisite to figure out what God has put in you is to get close to God. That you can't, you can't just figure it out. If God put the thing in you, you can't figure it out apart from him. It's like, it's like going, hey, my mom wants to give me a gift, but I never want to see her. <laughs> That's reality in some of our lives. Some of your lives, not mine. <laughs> Here's the issue. Fear keeps us from trying something that God had put in us. Fear keeps you from trying it. Fear keeps you from, because we're constantly looking at an opportunity in front of us and saying, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. I always tell my kids, are you afraid of what might happen or what is happening? Because what might happen is totally different from what is happening. What is happening is that you're scared of what's not happening. That's what's happening right now. You're scared of what's not happening because if you, if it was happening, then everybody around you would be like, oh yeah, yeah, it is happening. But most of the time in our lives, we're being, people are looking at us like, what are you, well, come on, what are you afraid about? Now let me back up a second here because I know we have a mixed audience. I know some people are new to church. I am not talking about one o'clock in the bar when you're both all liquored up and your friend looks at you and goes, I dare you, man, you're scared. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the gift of God that he put in you. <laughs> Just in case. Like I end up in jail because of the preacher. He said, whatever's in front of you, man, try it. Don't you twist that into what you're thinking. Timothy had a gift from God. 
And one of the things I found is that fear can oftentimes keep you from doing the very thing that God had called you to do. And so fortunately in this story, Timothy was not that way. He had went on several mission journeys with Paul and now he's pastoring his own church. And you would think that he had overcome fear a little bit, but but Paul is encouraging him still. And, and he says this thing, he uses this phrase, he says, fan into flame, that gift. And I started looking at that, I started realizing that, that okay, God gave him the gift, but now Paul is telling them after, after over a decade of relationship with Paul, you'd think, man, the guy would be like already a walking, burning fire. But Paul's saying, hey, fan that thing into a flame. Like, get it really raging and roaring. And what I realized was, God gives you the gift, but then you're responsible for increasing it. Have you ever sat around with, anybody ever learned to play the guitar when they were a teenager that never picked it up again? I mean, you may be able to kind of figure it out again, but it's just not, I used to play the piano here. I played it for 10 years. Why am I doing this when I'm talking about playing the piano? I have no idea. Um, I led worship here for 10 years, and I think sometimes about sitting down doing it again, and I realize there is no way I could play with the people that are on stage now. I don't play the piano anymore. It was like just something God equipped me to do while I needed to do it, and then when I was done, I was like, I'm done. I got a piano in the basement. I don't ever play it. So, so I stopped fanning that flame. Now, I don't think that's what God's called me to do in the season of my life. I think he's called me to do something else and I'm, I'm, I'm fanning something else in my life now. But, but the issue is, is that we all have things that we could do at one time, but we don't do now, or we're not as good as we could be now because we're not blowing on it. You see, Matthew 25 talks about the parable of talents. And he gave one, the master gave one guy five, one guy three, one guy one. The guy with five and three came back after, after the master came back after a long time. He said, Hey, how'd you do? I gave you some stuff to invest. I gave you a gift. You didn't earn it. I just gave you some of my stuff and wanted you to go out and multiply it, increase it, make it better. The guy with five, the guy with three came back and said, hey, we got double. Man, we are, I'm so happy for you. You took five and made 10. You took three and made six. It doesn't matter how much you get as long as you go out and multiply it. Did you hear that? Stop comparing yourself to people that are better than you. Do you know one of the biggest sources of fear in your life is a comparison to somebody else? We constantly, I'll do this sometimes, I'll look at a pastor with 25,000 people in his church and God will say, Chris, I didn't call you to do that. Or, 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 or I didn't call you, I didn't, I didn't put the same calling on you. And I'm going, okay, okay, it makes me, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to, I'm going to fan my flame, not somebody else's. I'm going to fan my flame. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get better at the gift you give me. So if somebody gets five initially and you get two, don't be afraid of that. All he's called you to do is multiply what he gave you, not what he gave somebody else. Now for all you five talent people in there, listen to me closely. You got five. (laughs) Stop feeling bad for yourself. Stand up in the morning and say, I'm going to make it into 10. God, what you gave me, I'm, gonna, I'm not talking material things just. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the gifts that he's given you, that, that he's blessed you beyond what he's blessed other people. You have a higher responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. Come on, church. But here's the issue. The guy that got one, don't we feel bad for him right off the bat? 
He only got one. God's so unfair the way he dishes out things. How come that guy can run faster than me? I don't know. He just can. You know, how come they're smarter than me? I don't know. But I'm not responsible for figuring out why they're better than me. I'm just responsible for me being better. You need to think of, you need to stop thinking like that. That'll keep you from advancing every time. If all you can think about is why are they in a better position than I am, you will never better the position you're in. You have to start focusing what did God give me and what has he called me to do with it? He said, fan into flame your gift, not the gift of someone else. Fan into flame what God gave you. So the guy with one talent back in Matthew chapter 25, he goes and buries it in the backyard and he comes back and he says, man, I knew you were a hard man. I was afraid. And the master says, you were what? He said, actually, listen to this. If you were so afraid, it should have prodded you to do something else with it than just bury it. He said, you could have taken it to the bank and at least got some interest on it, but you did the worst thing you could do. You took what I gave you and did nothing with it. So listen, church, we're responsible. When God God gives us a gift, we're responsible for increasing it. It's not one of those things you can just lay back on your pillow, stick your Bible under it, and somehow through the middle of the night, it just soaks into your brain. Trust me, I've tried it. Just wake up with a sore neck. Got a thick Bible, and you got to put your family Bible up in there, and your neck's all jacked up. He's <laughs> giving you a gift. It's your job to increase it. Fan it in flame. Timothy, come on. Come on, you're a pastor. You've been a pastor for four years. You can be a better pastor. You can be a better teacher. You can be a, come on, you can be a better employee. You can be a better business owner. You can be better at what you're doing. If God's given you the gift to be able to do it, you can be better at doing it. For the glory of God. Now watch this. I started thinking, why would he tell him, fan into flame the gift that you've been given, and then right behind that, tell him not to fear? You realize, and I think it was 1995, I looked at my wife first service to make sure I was right, because I don't remember a lot about history, especially mine. <laughs> um, like block out whole seasons of my life. And all you psychiatrists out there is like, oh, he's got trauma. I just, I don't know, I just choose not to remember it. More important stuff to remember. So, I think it was 1995, I was going to Shepherd College. I was sort of going to Shepherd College, if you want me to be honest. And uh, I, you had to take a speech class. So I signed up for speech class. So how hard can this be? We're going to study speech. Right, and then, and then about halfway through the class, they, the the professor informs us we're going to, have to stand in front of twenty five, thirty people and give a speech. And I was like, "What? Why would you do that? In a perfectly good class, ruin it by making me stand up and talk to everybody. Why would you do that?" And so, what I figured it out was we were not past the the, the period of time where you could drop the class. So I was like, try to trick me into giving a speech. I'm dropping your class just like that. Watch this. Boom. (laughs) I just dropped the class. I'm like, you must be crazy. I am not getting up in front of a bunch of people talking. (laughs) So you're like, I wish he'd go back to that guy. (laughs) 
so, so fast forward 22 years. I don't know, I've done this in six or seven countries. Talked to churches bigger than our church. I've been all over the place. Am I still scared? Sometimes I am. But here's what I found. Oftentimes, the thing that God gifts you with is the thing that takes you into the place where you're going to be scared. See, we got it mixed up in the church. We believe the gift he gives us gives us eternal, like, or gives us this security where it's just like, well, I'm never scared of nothing. If you're never scared of anything, you're probably not doing anything. It's really hard to be scared sitting on your couch eating potato chips and watching Netflix. I mean, unless you live in one of them neighborhoods, you know what I'm saying? But it's really hard to be scared laying there like, God, what have you called me to do? This looks good to me. But here's what I found. Oftentimes in my life, the very gift that God placed in me causes me to go into circumstances that makes me scared beyond my imagination. And here's Timothy. Paul's writing it to Timothy. Paul's actually suffering what he knows Timothy's getting ready to walk into. Paul's imprisoned at the hand of the Romans and knows that his days are numbered. And so he's writing Timothy saying, listen, I remember the gift that was given to you by God through the laying on of hands. I remember, I remember the heritage you have. I remember the great setup you've gotten. And I, and I've, I've just remembered all the good times we've had together. And I'm so encouraged by that. Now, what I need you to do, Timothy, is I need you to promise me that you're going to take on the responsibility of increasing this. You're going to be the one that fans this into flame. You're going to be the one that makes this better fan it into flame keep it a roaring fire don't let it go out and then by the way as you are working in your calling don't be afraid because there's going to come a time where you're going to be persecuted for this where you're going to be maybe in a dangerous situation don't be ashamed of me being in prison and don't be afraid to preach the gospel So the issue is, is that when we do figure out what we're called to do and we fan it into a giant flame, oftentimes that's the same flame that scares us. Fire is a weird thing, isn't it? It can either be in a propane torch where you can control it or it can be your house burning down. Same fire. So what he's saying is, when you fan it into flame and it puts you in situations, don't let the fire scare you. And I tell you, I'm a grown man. And, and I, I don't like being afraid. I don't, even, I don't like looking afraid. I like looking at my kids. I ain't afraid of nothing. <laughs> I like thinking like that. How many other men like thinking like that? Like, man, I'm not afraid. This calling that God has put on me has made me so afraid that I was like pee running down my leg. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. There have been times in my travels that I have literally been thinking in my head, God, I need you to help me calm down. I'm getting ready to lose my mind here. Because you know what? It's unexpected because we think the calling of God is just going to make everything super safe. We think it's going to make everything go well. We think all our relationships are going to line up and everybody's going to bow down and praise us. Oh, you became a Christian. We're so happy for you. But you know as well as I do, that's not always the way it happens. I've sat at tables where explosions have gone off and I... I don't, 
You know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to not look like the scared white guy. Do you know what I'm saying? In a room full of other people that aren't scared. And I'm just looking around and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, something just blew up. They're like, it's fine. I'm like, how do you know? Nobody's yelling. It's, you're the only one excited. I'm like, I don't want to die. My wife told me that's the only thing I couldn't do when I'm on this trip. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I found myself in that same place. I'm, I'm with four guys, three other guys. And uh, I'm pretty comfortable on most of these trips. And we went to a place that I'd never been before around people that I'd never seen before. I'm, I'm fine when we initially, and there was something that happened. This is true. I, I'm aware of things and I read a lot of stuff, which I probably shouldn't just to let you know right now, if you're going to follow Jesus, don't read anything. <laughs> just make you scared right away. Oh my, oh my goodness. They're going to, I'm going to die for sure. Uh, so, but I do, and I try to keep up on it. And, uh, let me back up a second. I, I fly a decent amount every year. And, um, uh, here, here's a here's a rule that I just an overarching rule for flying. If any of you fly and you get freaked out about flying, here's what, here's what I do. I get on the plane because I don't necessarily like flying, but it, but but what God has called me to do requires. I mean, I'm not going to ride a boat for a week to get to Africa. Just you know, I'm not doing that. So I get on a plane. It's going to be an eight hour leg to wherever. Eight hours. So. Um, you know, I take like four Benadryl, go straight. No, I don't. Um, so what I do is I've been on planes where there's so much turbulence that you pull your pull the seat tray out to put your food on it, and you can't eat because you're holding your food down because it's just shaking like this. And I'm looking beside me, and I'm like, "Does anybody else think this is weird?" Like, so inside, I'm losing it. But you know, you got to keep that tough exterior. And so I'm losing it. So what I figured out right up front was this, the flight attendant flies a lot more than I do. A lot more than I do. And so I looked up one time and she was just sitting there. She was just pushing the cart like this. <laughs> just pushing the cart. Shaking like crazy, pushing the cart. And I, I'm kind of looking at her like, what does she think this is, Okay. She wasn't even, she was just smiling. You want a Coke with your drink, with your food? And I'm like, yeah, holding my plate. This is normal. And I thought to myself, Chris, you're a grown man. That's a little woman pushing a cart on a plane, and she's not scared. What's wrong with you? And I realized, wait a second. If the people that do this the most aren't afraid... Why should I be afraid? So now, I don't get excited. Now, if the flight attendant is in her seat with her seatbelt on and her head between her legs going, Jesus, Jesus, then you're going to see this grown man freak straight out. <laughs> because that's my gauge. That's my thermometer. She's fine. The last flight I was on, she was, they were just rolling their eyes like, would this ever stop? And I went to sleep. Because danger doesn't determine whether I get rest or not. Listen to me, church. Your circumstance should not determine whether you rest or not. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because God is with me. Your circumstance should not determine your rest. 
Fear determines whether you rest or not. What Paul was telling Timothy was, he was saying, listen, you're getting ready to walk into a season where you need to fan the flame, and that flame could lead you directly into places that you could fear, and you can't do that. And so I'm, so I'm with these guys, and we're in this place that we haven't been before, and, we're, and, 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 and just something, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, something happened that made me very uneasy. I mean, like, okay, it's time to leave. I don't want to be here anymore. Well, nobody else felt like that to my demise. And so I'm inside, I'm flipping straight out. And I was saying these type of things to myself. I was saying, this is how it happens, Chris. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. This, everybody's smiling, laughing, but that guy, and this is how it happens. This is how things start. This is how it goes sideways. This is how it gets ugly. And you got, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave. And I, in my mind, I'm going like this. <laughs> with my face and in my mind I'm going come on come on come on come on guys let's just go let's just go well we walk out of this building they're just messing around poking around with little kids I'm like I don't care about kids right now I'm gonna leave (laughs) but then I started saying the things that I tell other people he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him I started saying Lord obviously you have this under control Lord your will is perfect Lord, you're here for me, with you. You sent me. You would keep me. You know how upset my wife would be if you didn't. <laughs> like, so, what, and then what I did was I looked up and nobody else that I was with was, was afraid. Can I tell you, you need to stop hanging around fearful people. Misery loves company and fear multiplies when you get with other people who are scared. One day you're, you're, you're afraid of getting on a plane. Next thing you know, you won't get an elevator. Oh, yeah, they're so dangerous. Just, we hang around people that are afraid just like we are, don't we? And so what I did was I looked up at this. It, somebody has become a really good friend and mentor of mine. He's uh, in, his, in his mid to late 60s. He's been doing these type of trips for decades. Has been in some awful situations. I looked up. He's laughing and smiling. He's not a muscle-bound guy that I'm like... Like if something breaks off, I'm like, Dan, you get him. He's not like that. But he wasn't afraid. Paul wasn't afraid, so then he was therefore able to tell Timothy, hey, listen, I'm in the situation that you may be fearful of, and I'm here living it now. And so, by the way, you don't have to be afraid. And so one of the things that I found out that if I do, that if I found the gift that God has put in me and I'm utilizing it, it's important for me to be around people who have been in that before. To get advice, to be able to look at him when I'm flipping out inside, be able to look at him and go, he's not even worried about it. What am I worried about? Now, later on, he said, man, Chris, you looked a little freaked out. I said, I was. (laughs) You guys were playing pokey back and forth to little kids. It's time to leave. I'm scared. He said, you don't have anything to worry about. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. What do we have to be afraid of? My desire for you is that when you wake up in the morning, you say, God, direct my steps. And I'm going to take advantage of what you put in front of me. You put this in me to do what you've called me to do. And I'm not going to let fear, I'm not going to let the potential of fear stop me from doing it. And I believe God can raise up an unbelievable force for his kingdom out of people who used to be afraid but now are empowered. Amen? 
people who have been crippled by fear, but now realize that the one who put the gift in you is the one that can give you the power to see it through to the end. No matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what you might face. Paul said this, Timothy, don't be afraid. When it comes to being ashamed of me, don't be ashamed of me. And when it comes to suffering for the gospel, don't be afraid of that either. That's not what he gave you. He gave you a gift and he gave you power to use that gift. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's pray together. Look, I, I know there's situations here where it's real life fear. And I've, I've been in some of those. Where you're almost, you're almost scared to the point of being incapable of doing anything. Where there's so many things running around your head of what could happen, what might happen, what probably will happen. That, that you just feel incapacitated in your life. And I'm telling you, that's not why God put the gift in you. That's not why he's called you. That's not why he saved you. And the devil can keep us on the sidelines for a generation if we allow it to take over our lives. The Bible says, he wrote to Timothy and said, he gave you a clear mind. He gave you a clear mind. And I've prayed a thousand times. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. And I've made a determination in my life whenever I do get afraid, and listen, it's probably more than you realize. I just start quoting those scriptures back to him, Lord. You said you'd keep me in perfect peace if I stayed thinking about you. You said you'd keep me. You said you'd keep me. You said you'd keep me. My mind is on you and what you've called me to do. My mind is on you and what you've gifted me to do. My mind is on you this this day, this in this moment, God. Come whatever will. You've given me peace. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to let fear sap my energy from me today, Lord. I don't have to let fear incapacitate me because you have given me power over it. Your love empowered me and you give me a sound mind. Let me think on the good faithfulness that you've you've had in my life. Let me think on the goodness. Let me think on your peace. And now equip me, God, to do what you've called me to do. Father, I pray that you raise that up in people's hearts this morning. Lord, that that you have blessed them, that they don't need to be afraid. And Lord, when that fear comes, you've given them a way to deal with it. God, and they can keep moving forward in the calling that you've given them. They can keep moving forward. They can keep making a positive impact, Lord. They can keep doing things that change people's lives for you. They can keep talking about your gospel. They can keep sharing it. Lord, they do not have to be afraid because you have overcome. You have overcome. We are in good company this morning, God. And I pray that boldness would rise up in us. I pray that your spirit would rise up in us this morning and equip us to overcome, Lord. Equip us to do do what you've called us to do in spite of, in spite of fear. Equip us today, Lord. Empower us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church. If you believe that, could you give him honor and praise today?